You're listening to the Plain Bible Teaching Podcast, where we discuss current events, social issues, religious trends, and noteworthy news from a biblical perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for tuning in to the newest episode of the Plain Bible Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Soaker. This episode is being released on February 16th, 2023. This week, I'm joined once again by Christopher Gardana, and we're talking about some comments made by the Pope recently in which he condemned what he called the serious sin of proselytism. Well, what did he mean by that? And is that anything like evangelism, or is it something different? And how should we as Christians view our responsibility regarding evangelism? We're going to talk about all of that here in our discussion today. For links to the story we're talking about, as well as other related materials, check out the show notes for this episode at plainbibleteaching.com slash podcast slash 02-1623. Now for our story this week. Pope Francis condemns serious sin of proselytism from LifeSite News. Pope Francis has once again condemned Catholic efforts of evangelization stating that Catholicism is not proselytism, while adding that he has no explanation for the drop in vocations in recent decades. And then further down in the article, it says, highlighting this evangelization of culture, Francis expanded by saying that he was talking of evangelizing, of announcing, and nothing more with much respect. Consequently, he argued that proselytism was the most serious sin that a missionary can have. Now, that article that we'll have linked to in the show notes goes on and talks more in detail regarding the context of those comments. The Pope was answering questions about the Second Vatican Council and the Church's mission and how this related to the drop in vocations, which, as I understand it, is the term that Catholics use for conversions or commitments to the Church or that sort of thing. So the article also pointed out that this is not the first time that this Pope has made comments like this. Back in 2013, he said that proselytism is solemn nonsense, and in 2016, he said that proselytism is the strongest poison against the ecumenical path. Now, of course, we are not Catholic here, so the Pope's opinion, whatever it might be, right or wrong, doesn't have a direct effect on us. However, there is a danger that we can learn from or be influenced by or adopt some unbiblical ideas of those who are around us. So we want to spend some time today talking about this idea. So Christopher, I'll ask this question to you to start us off. When we talk about evangelism, or as this article talks about proselytism, what exactly are we talking about here? Well, so if we're looking at it from a biblical perspective, and I would say that this is probably going to be different even than their perspective, uh, you know, evangelism literally just means... the the gospel or the good news. Uh, I found a definition on Edom online or etymology online, and it says the the actual word comes from um, uh, the 1620s preaching of the gospel from evangel plus ism, uh, and it goes to, you know, they mentioned the medieval version, and then of course it goes all the way back to the Greek. So, you know, we can go back to the Greek, uh, which literally just means gospel, and so you'll see that word evangelon um, I'm not a Greek, so I'm not saying it properly, but, uh, you know, 
over and over again in the New Testament referring to the gospel. And what is the gospel? What's the good news? And what is the good news? Well, salvation through Christ, right? And But proselytism is a word that was mostly associated with uh, even converting maybe even to Judaism when you see it in the, the Old Testament. You know, a proselyte would have been someone who had converted from some other background to Judaism. Uh, but I, I, looking into this a little bit further, I figured out that when they use the word proselyte or proselytism, uh, they're they're basically saying it it means something bad because you're you're being coercive. Uh, it might even you know you might even think back to some of the history we learned about the conquistadors where they would go and conquer a, a, a territory and then they would make them all Catholic, you know, so they by force or by some other means. And today it still has that kind of connotation like you're using some manipulative means to convert them or make them you know have your point of view and and so i think that could be what he's really talking about there but either way the word evangelism or proselytism is is basically the idea of trying to convert someone to christ or teach them the gospel yeah and i think what you brought up there is helpful because uh and you had sent some of those links for us to look over as we got ready for this, that that there is some different ideas as far as what they what different people believe the Pope was talking about here, that you have the negative connotation of kind of forcing people to to convert. And that's, you know, some people say, well, that's proselytism, where you're making proselytes that way. But then others who were being critical of of the Pope clearly didn't take his comments that way that that no. they saw this as a as more of an attack on evangelism as far as preaching that that it almost is it seems to be the con the concept of of evangelism not through teaching because teaching would necessarily involve teaching someone out of whatever they believe but more of showing an example of what is you know what a Christian should be. And through that example, then you're kind of leading them to the truth, which, you know, we all know that examples are important and being a light sure. to the world is important, but, but it seems like there, there were definitely some people who were taking his comments as saying that, well, we don't teach others. We are just trying to show goodness to others. And that's how we, we spread the influence of this. Sure. And so there are a couple articles that I found where they were trying to beg the question and say, well, he wasn't actually saying that we shouldn't be evangelizing or teaching people the gospel or teaching them to become Catholics. Of course, I don't want them to become Catholic, but the point is from his perspective. Um, but but what's interesting is even from the LifeSite News, which is predominantly Catholic website, they're they're using the term evangelizing and, pro, you know, uh, my my mouth's not working. To, to proselytize, proselytize someone, uh, they're using those terms interchangeably. So they were not making a distinction, even in this Catholic LifeSite News article, whereas, you know, you go to other places, I was looking for it, and I found someone making a huge distinction between evangelism, the good news of salvation in Christ in the church, and the act of proselytizing. See, I got the word out. Uh, and one of the one of the authors was basically saying aberrant proselytism includes certain activities and methods that are directly intended to induce people to change their church affiliation. They include making unjust, uncharitable references to other churches' beliefs and practices, even ridiculing them. So, you know, if I guess if you thought you were going to convince someone by insulting their faith, I, I guess that's the idea. Uh, comparing two Christian communities by emphasizing achievements and ideals of one and the weaknesses 
and practical problems of, an, of another. You know, I guess if you're trying to insult them or hurt them. Uh, another thing it said, employing any kind of physical violence, moral compulsion, and psychological pressure. Yeah, all those things, that's not how Jesus said to spread the gospel anyway. Right. Yeah, if if that's what, if that was the definition that we're all going to agree on of what proselytism is, then all of us would agree that that's not what no. you know, anyone ought to be doing. Sure. But the, you're clearly have some who have this idea that that's not how he meant this and what, how, how he meant it or, or what his intention was. I don't know, but I'm not sure he knows clearly he said it and then he never really, he never really clarified it very well. I'll just saying highlighting, you know, he just said some other word salad that didn't really connect to what he had said before. Right. So you have, you have clearly people taking different sides and saying, well, he meant this or he meant that, but we we understand as far as the negative part of this, the coercion and ridiculing others or or misrepresenting, you know, what they what their religious beliefs are in order to try to convert them to ours. That's not what we ought to be doing. So right. as we we recognize that there are certain things that we should not do, but evangelism is a is a necessary part of what we are to do as Christians. So I want to kind of think about it, you know. As we move on to to this question, for for those of us, obviously we're not Catholic, but we're trying to follow Christ. We want to convert people to Christ. So as we think about that, what does the New Testament teach about the importance of evangelism? Because I think it's important for us to be reminded on this. Well, I mean, Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37 and 38 uh, he said the harvest is plentiful, plentiful, but the workers are few. Uh, please, you know, the Lord of harvest, send out workers into his harvest. You know, um, you know, he, he wants us to be out there teaching and preaching and, and spreading the gospel. And, and of course, his disciples had, you know, they were, they were considered ambassadors of Christ. And I'm not saying we are ambassadors in that same respect, but the point being that we, we should be emulating their example and striving to teach the gospel to everyone. Um, one of the examples I saw was in uh, Philippians chapter four. I mean, no, Philippians chapter one. Let me pull it up here on my computer here. Philippians one, where Paul is already in prison, and he uh, he says that uh, Philippians one twelve. He says, "I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else." And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have been more have more courage to speak the word of God without fear. So what was he doing? Even in prison, he was he was talking to the guards, he was talking to whoever he could talk to, and he was even having conversions even in prison, you know, even right. while he was confined. And so, you know, he's by whatever means he was spreading the gospel. And that was that's part of evangelism. That is evangelism. Right. And that's it's you think about. You know, the commission that Jesus gave to the apostles to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what we're talking about here with evangelism. And you mentioned that the apostles were ambassadors, and we're not ambassadors in the same sense that that they are. But you think of the commission that that also was given to the apostles. And so we have a little, little bit different responsibility as far as we have. We don't have to necessarily go into all the world, but we can stay right where we are, and we have sure. plenty of people around us who need to hear the gospel. And uh, you think about Acts chapter chapter eight and verse four, where you have the when persecution arose against the church, 
you had the apostles stayed in Jerusalem, but all the other brethren there, they went everywhere. It says they went everywhere preaching the word. So this is definitely something that is a responsibility, not just for the apostles in the first century, and also not just for, you know, preachers or evangelists or whatever term we want to use today, but this is something that that all of us can be involved in as far as as far as spreading the gospel and really remember that that's what this is that's what we're talking about is we don't have to make it more complicated than than it is mm -hmm. we're simply talking about spreading the gospel to others and planting the seed so that way others can have an opportunity to hear the truth and obey the truth sure at first first peter chapter 315 to uh, he says to sanctify christ as lord in your hearts always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account of the hope that is in you yet with gentleness and reverence. So again, there's no coercion. There's no uh, forcing, you know, there's no political uh, manipulation. There's none of those kinds of things that, you know, we're, we're to be ready to give an answer, but it needs to be with gentleness and reverence. So we're, we're showing respect to God. We're showing respect to those who speak to us. You know, our goal is to, to win them over for Christ. Right. That's what the goal is. And, and, I think when we, you can get into the path of that proselytism or the negative connotation of it, when you forget that you're trying to win people to Christ and we're simply trying to get more numbers for our church, right. then you know when you're focused on the numbers and focused on that, then it's very easy to get motivated by carnal tactics and, and all of that sort of thing. But sure. one thing that I noticed uh, in that article, that the original article that we were, we read from at the start is that it seemed that, at least the way they were describing it, that the Pope was condemning what he called proselytism because he said, as this quote uh, quote in the article, that it was poison against the ecumenical path. So it seems like there's a, this idea of this ecu ecumenical path or this unity among all churches or all professed Christians, that and evangelism cannot coincide is is that fair to say that that this ecumenical idea necessarily leads to a a de-emphasis on evangelism so i'm going to put you on the spot here and ask you what does that word mean now i had to look it up so i know but do you have a simple definition of that word ecumenical the simple definition that that at least the way i would describe it is this idea that everyone is fine in their current in their current situation in the current state and that we should have unity despite our differences that's how that's how i understand and how i would explain it okay so it's 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 different religious organizations working together ignoring any possible differences among their teaching or beliefs and basically saying unity and basically the idea of unity and diversity basically yeah that's yeah. that's my understanding of it okay and well so I, I guess he would absolutely be correct if if the goal is to be unified with everything that i don't believe in and then to say well you need to be catholic or any other faith yeah it is poison to ecumenism Say the word again, Ecu uh, ecumenical, the ecumenical yeah. path. Yeah, yeah. So he's he is correct about that. So you can you can't have you can't have both. You can't say as a, as a you know first century Christian believer, you know New Testament Christian or Catholic or Methodist or Baptist, whatever your affiliation, 
you can't say, well, you should be this, but also we should all get along and act like there are no issues. Uh, very interestingly, um, just as a funny little side note, um, when I was working with uh, a good brother in East Texas, uh, Larry Dickens, uh, a few years ago, many years ago now, uh, I was I was trying to, you know, kind of get better at, at preaching and all this stuff. He was helping me out. And uh, one of the ladies down the street uh, found out that I was going to be starting to preach. And she said, oh, well, we're looking for a youth minister. And and I said, well, where do you go? She, she said she was Methodist. And I said, well, ma'am, you know, I'm not Methodist. She says, they don't mind. <laughs> she didn't mind at all that I was going to be a member of the Church of Christ, but also I could go over there and be a youth minister at the at the Methodist Church. And, and it really goes back to this, you know, ecumenical idea that it doesn't really matter what your church affiliation is at all. We're all just under this big umbrella of Christianity. And, and you know, the Pope is correct in that respect, that if you're if you're going to have that viewpoint, then you can't be out there trying to promote uh, Catholicism. Um, I saw one other article that said it, it was like stealing other other sheep from another flock, you know, and so it's actually a bad thing. And that that might be his point of view then. Yeah, it seems like that's that's his idea. And when we think about evangelism, the way the Bible describes it is it involves teaching and you are teaching someone to hear and believe and obey the gospel. And that is necessarily going to mean that there's going to be some difference between what they believe now and where you're trying to get them and what you're trying exactly. to convince them of. One example that I thought of is over in uh, Acts chapter 18, where you have, uh, you have the example of Apollos over there. And in Acts 18, 24, it says there was a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. And this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So here you have this individual that He's mighty in the scriptures, that he knows what the word of God teaches, and he knows things about Jesus and the prophecies that were made about him, because it talks about being mighty in the scriptures. That would be the Old Testament scriptures. So he knew all of these things. And Aquila and Priscilla, they pulled him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately, because he didn't know what he needed to know. He was only acquainted with the baptism of John, which means he didn't know about the baptism of Christ which is what the apostles were proclaiming beginning in Acts chapter 2. So he had to be taught the truth. They didn't say that, well, you know, he's you know sincere and he knows the scriptures pretty well, and he, look at all the good he seems to be doing. That, that No, they had to take him aside and they had to, to teach him that that's part of this. And so if we're sure. going to have this idea that, well, we just all need to get along despite our differences, then they should just let Apollos go and just let him keep going the direction that he's going. But he would have never learned the truth if they did that. Right. And, and you know, then we might be in that position of saying, well, what is truth? You know. Yeah, that's true. That's... Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You know, this idea of unity and diversity is is not something that's taught in the scriptures. And clearly, here's a good example of that. Otherwise, they would have said, you know, go along and get along. There's nothing to worry about here, you know. Um, and yet, 
in first Peter chapter three, uh, I think it's first Peter three. I'm looking for it again here. I just had it. Um, it's actually second Corinthians chapter five. Uh, he says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. Yeah. You know, there is a, a need to persuade men. It's and that's evangelism. Get along, get along. That's evangelism. Yeah. yeah, that's part of it. So, yeah, we we look at these comments from the Pope and and we don't necessarily, you know, point him out just to pick on him or pick on Catholics or whatever. Just as just as the an example of this, these are some ideas that people have as far as what is appropriate and what's not appropriate. We want to compare those with the scriptures because we want to make sure we're following what the scriptures teach regarding mm -hmm. what our responsibilities are and how we are to spread the gospel. And sure. when we think about evangelism, evangelism is an important and a necessary work of the church. It's something that all of us should be involved in. And Christopher, you mentioned that passage in first Peter three, that, you know, we give an answer. That's something that we all do. That's not always easy for us to do this, or really it's probably never easy to do it, but it's something that takes courage. It's something that we need to be willing to, to get out there and to teach people. But we're trying to convince them that they need to change. So that is something that is absolutely necessary because we're trying to convert them to Christ. So Christopher, do you have anything you wanted to say or any other comments before we close today? Well, going back to that verse in, in 1 Peter 3.15, it, it says to everyone who asks you the hope that is in you. So, you know, not everyone is asking, and therefore those are going to be the ones that are hard to get to, the ones that aren't even asking. So these are the people, the people we need to be talking to are the ones who are asking questions. And and certainly we need to be ready to give an answer. We need to be looking for those open doors that are ready. They're asking questions. And certainly there's nothing coercive about that. And, and so that's why whether we use the word proselytizing or evangelizing, either way, we're, we're just trying to teach them the truth of the gospel and with meekness and fear, with reverence, you know, and uh, so that's why I feel like we, we need to not listen to the Pope again, but also continue to do what we're told to do the, in the Bible, which is to, to preach the word in season, out of season. Right. We are trying to follow Christ. We're trying to lead people to Christ. So in, in our efforts, we're, we're looking for those who are interested in the truth and mm -hmm. be ready to teach the truth to them. Amen. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening to the Plain Bible Teaching Podcast. I hope you found it to be interesting, informative, and helpful. For links to the story we talked about, as well as other related materials, check out the show notes for this episode at plainbibleteaching.com slash podcast slash 02-1623. If you have a moment to rate and review the podcast or share it with others who'd be interested in this discussion, that would certainly be appreciated. And if you're listening to this, remember that we are also uploading video versions of the podcast to the Plain Bible Teaching YouTube channel. So if you prefer video to audio, that option is there for you. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please like and subscribe to the channel so you can see other videos that we post from time to time. And if you see a news story that you think would make for a good discussion, please email that link to me at andy at plainbibleteaching.com. Thanks again for listening, and I hope to talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Plain Bible Teaching Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. Also, be sure to sign up for the Plain Bible Teaching Weekly Newsletter. 
This free newsletter will be delivered to your inbox each Friday with articles, podcasts, videos, sermon outlines, and more. Visit plainbibleteaching.com to subscribe today.